Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And as we had yesterday with a conversation about the Phoenix fallacy, the person who practices Murphy's Law, if something can go wrong, then it will, who might be magnifying risks. If there's any chance of something going wrong, then it probably will. Or someone who's practicing insisting on the past. If anything has gone wrong in the past, then it must, as a matter of lawful necessity, continue to do so in the future, and there's nothing you can do about it. And not only do they do those things, right, because you might characterize that person as someone who's just kind of a gloom and doom perspective on the future, but they feel good about that because they're good at problem solving. So they go from problem solvers to problem seekers. They see the present as problematic more than it needs to be. They see the future as more problematic than it needs to be. And they create a good sense of self that is really just based in a lack of honesty about the ambivalent nature of things, right? Which is to say, that's not always the case, of course, right? But these are people who focus on the negative. These are people who need a problem. So when there's not one, they make one. And that's literally what something like Murphy's Law is saying, right? We don't live in the future. I'm just going to assume that whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And then again, the Phoenix fallacy person takes another step and says, I'm going to shine. I'm going to be great. I'm going to use those things to my advantage. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, but we're keeping in mind, you know, Aristotle and his emphasis on excess and deficiency and the golden mean. It's not a balanced approach. To make problems where there are not any, strictly, or let's say to make problems where there are not any, is not something we should habituate. Right? We want to make sure we apply, for example, the Stoic idea of premeditation malorum with moderation. So on that note, as I think I said last episode yesterday, we're going to go to not, you know, I don't want to say the exact opposite of that, but sort of definitely something on the other side of the spectrum. And this is coming once again from the New Rational Therapy, the book we've been working on by Dr. Elliot Cohen. And we're going to talk about wishful thinking. So where the person committing the, the uh, Phoenix fallacy might be very, let's say, pessimistic about the future, the wishful thinker instead believes the following. Wishful thinking encourages you to see that even though something has consistently gone wrong in the past, things will be different in the future. So for Cohen, this is the opposite of insisting on the past, right? Because of course, insisting on the past says it's happened before, it'll happen again for sure. In accepting this rule of wishful thinking, you would be ignoring the past. You would be telling yourself that things will be different in the future, even though nothing has really changed as long as you wish hard enough for a change to occur. If you don't do anything in the present to change your situation in the future, then all the wishing in the world won't help to make things better. So I think this explanation of why wishful thinking is bad is actually sort of where balance lives, right? So by that I mean, and I hope I characterized this well yesterday, the overly pessimistic person who's practicing Murphy's Law or insisting on the past or um, magnifying possibilities. Let me make, make sure I get that phrase correct. Sorry. Um, yeah, magnifying risks, right? Is not helping their present state of being past a certain point. Because what I like about Cohen's explanation here is he's grounding wishful thinking, or let's say he's grounding the refutation of wishful thinking. Things will be better. Don't assume that. Get to work a little bit right? Things will be horrible, all right? 
Don't assume that. Examine the opposite, but also get to work. Get get to taking action, right? Because that's always kind of the real solution anyway. This these uh, these two things, right? These two let's say opposites, just for argument's sake, of the wishful thinker and the uh, Murphy's Law practitioner or the Phoenix fallacy practitioner, right? These both of these states of being involve our ability to gather evidence and examine what is true and what is importantly true and what is maybe more of a petty truth. I think it's a really important distinction to make. We have to learn how to discern and figure out what truths actually matter and what truths maybe are we giving, well, what truths maybe are true, but we're overemphasizing them, but we're looking at them the wrong way, but we're giving them more power than they deserve. So there's that. There's an evidence problem here. And of course, there's also an imagination problem here because both of these involve our engagement with the past, present, and of course, the future. All of which I think require imagination, but I think quite clearly, if you are engaged, if you're engaged in the present moment, you're grounding yourself in the material a little bit, right? Like you, I'm, I'm sitting at this table right now. I can feel this table. I can't in the same way feel my you know, my, my table from my childhood home. I have to imagine that to a greater extent. So that's in the past. I can't imagine with the same detail as I can feel a future in my next apartment or a future table in my next apartment. So each of these requires a different type of imagination and a different amount of imagination. So we're using our imaginations poorly here. We're gathering evidence poorly here. And we also have to work on viewing ourselves in a healthy way. Right? I think ultimately, even for both of these, we have to view ourselves as able, right, as able to take action in the moment to create healthier prospects for the future. And I think that's one part of what a good day is. It's not the only part of what a good day is. For example, I don't think a good day is necessarily only punctuated by one moment of joy at the end of it when you realize you've been working all day and for the past 12 hours or whatever, you've done nothing except for discipline yourself and focus on tasks you don't want to do and that weren't meaningful to you. But hey, you made progress for this other future thing. I think we want to try to punctuate our days with a little bit more balance between engaging in activities, offering our attention to activities that are actually meaningful. And hopefully those things coincide. Hopefully your actually meaningful activities also move you into a version of yourself that'll be great for the future. And of course, that's not always the case, even with things that you love, right? Even things that I love to do often have parts that I don't love to do or the things I love to do, if you do them so frequently, they become monotonous and tedious, you love them less, right? So we want to keep that in mind. So we have to learn how to balance between wishful thinking and the other end, Murphy's Law, Phoenix Fallacy. And a large part of that will involve taking action and working to create better relationships to evidence and to imagination. All of these things, and this is going to be my recommendation as always, all of these things, those three activities can be served really nicely by a self-writing philosophical meditation practice. Right, so let's say you're more of a wishful thinker. You're someone who assumes to a larger extent that things will, quote, work themselves out. Okay, well, one, define that. How, how does that look? And it could be a specific situation you're grappling with or thinking about at the moment, or it could be your life, right? Your whole, the whole vision of your life, maybe. And that's a big ask, but it's not a, a bad idea, I think, to sit 
It's not a bad idea to sit with that for a little bit, right? And try to conceive of what that could be. That being said, right? All right, sit down and write about that. What is this direction you think things will sort of work out in? Don't obsess over it, but articulate it a little bit. Okay, so the idea would be to craft an imagination of the future that is based on solid evidence from the past. I think yesterday I asked when we were talking about Murphy's Law to sit and try to write 10 things that went well in the past week, some of which you did not expect to go well and others that just came out of nowhere. So maybe if you're too much of a wishful thinker, we could flip that around a little bit and write, let's say, five to 10 things that went poorly or that did not go as well as you thought they would. And for the wishful thinkers, we have to ask ourselves, well, did you prepare? I think wishful thinkers, too, seem to be constantly surprised. And that's not the great word, right? Constantly isn't the word, but seem to be more frequently surprised. One of the advantages, or let's say in quotes, again, because if, if this gets excessive, it's not an advantage. You just start seeing the world and yourself very negatively. One of the advantages of the Phoenix fallacy person, of the Murphy's Law person, again, let's even say slight advantages, perhaps, might be that they're surprised less. They expect different things, right? Their expectations, their imagination of the future is more negative. So when bad stuff happens, they're less shocked. And I think there is a, a moderate way of preparing ourselves for the world or, or for the possible negative things such that we're less surprised, but we're also not constantly in a negative, joyless space, right? So that being said, for the wishful thinkers again, for a moment here, um, you have to ask yourself, are you preparing? for the possibilities of life. And let's even remove possibilities. Are you prepared for the probabilities of life? And I think a self-writing practice is a great way to address that question and also do the preparing, right? Do the preparation work that you might be missing right now, right? Do the same tasks feel challenging constantly? Well, maybe, and maybe they are, they likely are very challenging, right? But maybe you could prepare yourself a little bit better, a little bit more effectively by confronting the idea that you just assume things will get easier. No, this is a great John Dewey quote that works really nicely for today's episode. A little bit of philosophy of education here, right? We do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. So if you've been struggling with the same thing for weeks on end or months on or years on end, right? And this is kind of how I come to wishful thinking in my own way. Because I do think, and this is the first time I'm saying this, I do think I suffer more from yesterday's pathology than today's. I would not consider myself to overall be a wishful thinker. That being said, there are definitely certain habits within my internal life, my thought life, my feeling life, and my actions that are seemingly largely under my control life that I could work on that I just sort of assume over time would go away and they don't go away. Right. Um, and I think ultimately for me, I'm a wishful thinker in that regard. I think I'm more of a wishful thinker with my internal life and I'm more of a Phoenix fallacy with the external world and my relationship to it. And I think situating myself like that actually was a nice moment today because it made me feel responsible for some of my wishful thinking habits. And thinking is like in italics because many of these habits, as I just said, for me are thought habits. Like, why do I always, why do I still to this day get nervous when I'm checking emails? 
because I like to have my time to focus. And if I have to answer emails, who knows where that's going to go? That's an uncontrolled thing. So instead of, and this is what I've been doing recently, right? I've been trying to change those thoughts because they've been here for a while. And I've just kind of assumed that the more I check emails, the better I'll get at that. And that's not the case back to Dewey, right? So I had to reflect on my perception of answering emails and be like, well, this is a part of service. Whenever I'm checking a personal email, I mean, a lot of that's just crap. I don't respond to personal emails for my personal email. But when I'm answering emails as a student, as an instructor, that's service. And I like to be of service. So I've had to sort of re-understand my perspective on that versus just, oh, I'll just keep checking it, whatever. I'll just, it'll, whatever, it'll go away. This feeling of nervousness every time I check an email because I'm afraid I'm going to feel like, let's say, obligated to respond to a bunch of emails and then two hours will go by and I won't be able to get to my dissertation work. I won't be able to get to my grading or what have you, right? So I had to re-understand like, re it and again, reflect on my actions and say, well, you know what? This is an important part of this process too. And I have to treat it as such and I have to feel about it. Or I have to feel like it's important. And then that feeling actually helps me feel and think more positively. Right. So I think sometimes ritual thinking, once again, is because of a lack of reflection on the nature of our past. Once again, gathering evidence such that we're encouraged to take new actions, to have new feelings and to introduce new thoughts. So think about times in your life where, you, once again, to the opposite of yesterday's exercise, you thought things were going to go well and they did not. What was your role in that? I used the word responsibility a minute ago, right? Where might you have been missing an opportunity to express some responsibility for your own thoughts, feelings, actions? Where did you miss an opportunity to maybe express, you know, express yourself in other ways that might have influenced the external world in a positive sense? So we take time in self-writing to think about those memories, to analyze them, and to ask that question so we don't fall into the trap of wishful thinking. Cohen offers another uh, antidote to this, which I think is interesting. And again, we have to apply it in moderation, with, you know, as we do with a lot of these things. And it kind of works with, uh, it asks us to move into, or let's say if we have a spectrum here, move towards, I would say, that Murphy's Law a little bit. He suggests that we get a little bit pessimistic. And then do what we can to increase the probability of a brighter future. And I, I think for me, when, when, I, when I examine some of my personal relationships, I see that in, in my life I have individuals who are way on the side of Murphy's Law and others who are way on the side of wishful thinking. And ironically, the wishful thinker is often encouraged to take action, which is sort of what we're saying here, right, and what Cohen offered. And then the person who's more Murphy's Law is encouraged to relax and cultivate a little gratitude and see the silver lining. And I think these last two conversations really are, are pretty much that, I was going to say are almost that simple, right? But I think it's important to identify, as I think I've done a little bit, where we might be practicing both, right? Are, are we a wishful thinker with the external world and our relationship to it? Things will work out that aren't us, that we can't control? Or are we kind of not reflecting on our experiences and just letting our internal life be characterized by the idea that I'll, you know, for example, like, um, I'll forget about this or I'll grow out of this. I think there's also a really interesting fallacy that people, uh, that I've heard wishful thinkers say to me, right? Um, time heals all wounds. No, it does not. Time is neutral. That's Dr. Martha King Jr. Letter from Birmingham jail. It's a powerful idea. You have to work at this. 
right, back to stoicism, back to the virtues for a little bit, right? You have to work at being fair to others and being fair to yourself and being honest and wise and temperate, right? And courageous. Time is time doesn't care. It's neutral. It does not care. It's not on your side. Do not make that, do not, do not think that. So with me, right, I was saying with the email thing as, as an example of an internal, obviously a very simple example, right? Um, and by that, I mean, not a necessarily significant one, but I do check emails every day. And the less nervous I feel about checking emails, the better my life would be, right? Because it's something I do frequently. So instead of assuming, again, it'll work itself out or I'll, I'll get used to this eventually, I had to sit and like recharacterize, reflect. Time does not care. Things will not necessarily, I think, I think miracles can happen. I think sometimes luck, you know, you have good luck, sometimes you have bad luck. I believe in luck, but taking a more active approach in the face of wishful thinking will pretty much always be a good idea if we do it with those, with the virtues in mind, right? Fairly, if we do it with some wisdom, we do it with some courage and we do it with some balance. So keep that in mind. Try to locate where you might be practicing wishful thinking. Look at the evidence, investigate the evidence, use a different imagination, try to create a new meaning around why you might take action and maybe introduce a little bit of pessimism if you really suffer from it a lot. That pessimism should motivate you to once again, as we said last time, examine, well, what if it doesn't work out? Instead of thinking all the time that it would, especially if you're doing that as a bystander and as a spectator, you want to be taking action. Both of the fallacies from today and yesterday can prevent you from taking action. Because if it's Murphy's Law, it becomes why bother? Then if it's wishful thinking, it becomes it'll take care of itself. We want to be in the middle. We want to be taking action. So let's locate how and why we might be practicing wishful thinking, how and why we might be practicing Murphy's Law. Examine it, get to the root of it, understand it better so we can take care of it and work towards healthier ways of thinking, feeling, and acting. Hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.